0: All right. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start in today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are of listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're, if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world – Everything's remote and this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together right when you're starting something new from scratch being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it and when we're all remote you don't really get the same thing well what if I told you there's a way to get that same output right get that same feeling while being remote and luckily there is. Uh, Our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for forward-thinking founders is Sidekick, and Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely, and you're able to move faster and and, kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of forward-thinking founders, you get a big discount on. On Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device, $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it what is going on everyone thanks for tuning in to another episode of forward thinking founders i am very grateful to have your attention at least for the next 15 minutes was the founder of Elemental? Welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: It's going great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I am looking forward to learning more about what you're working on. For people that don't know what Elemental is, what is it? What are you working on?
1: So, Elemental is a company, but our primary project right now is an open source project called Dagster. So, Dagster is what we call a data orchestrator, it's a critical piece of software for building machine learning analytics and data processing applications. So all of those all of those kind of pieces of software, all of the same property that all they are is effectively these DAGs or directed acyclic graphs um, that you can think of it like an assembly line. All they, all they are doing is consuming and producing this data and you need a piece of software to orchestrate that process. Um, there's lots of things that do that Um, We kind of, uh, we believe that the way that we structure that process, we use the orchestrator as kind of a wedge to change the programming model. So make these things much more testable and reliable, and also just much more fun to work in. So the general theme of the business is that we're using Dagster as a productivity tool for data scientists, data engineers, and the infrastructure engineers that support them. And then eventually we will build a business that leverages that adoption to build data management policy tools and operational tools that we can sell to enterprises.
0: So definitely have a ton of questions about who you're targeting. Um, but before that, I, I kind of want to just learn about like, why did you want to get started with this company? What's a little bit of the origin story and, and why did you decide to start, uh, to start Elemental?
1: Yeah, so I think this goes back to my Facebook experience. So I, start, I was an engineer at Facebook from 2009 to 2017, and I worked on internal infrastructure projects. I started this team called Product Infrastructure, but what that team is best known for is its open source projects. So um, Product Infrastructure, that uh, a team out of there produced React, which is the wildly successful JavaScript library. And then I personally created and co-created GraphQL. Um, And so that's kind of like what I'm most known for. Um, So I have experience with these technologies that kind of have what I'll call very intimate relationships with developers. And then also with the process of open sourcing them and getting pretty broad adoption in the community. So fast forward, I left uh, Facebook in 2017 And I started to dig around for what to do next. And I was actually, you know, I didn't want to work in an ads-driven or social media business anymore. And I started talking to companies in what I'll call the real economy. Um, Because what I I really saw with GraphQL and was very pleasantly surprised by was how it was being adopted, not just by kind of the cool hipster developers, but also by developers, uh, you know, from like Walmart and from like KLM. And so this because of its flexible design and really been able to penetrate legacy enterprise. So I was really interested in that phenomenon. So I was talking to healthcare companies, finance companies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And this data engineering and ML analytics stuff just kept on coming over, up over, over again, in terms of their kind of rate limiting step, their biggest technical liability. And so I just started to kind of like follow my nose there and dig into it. And then, and then I was like, wait, what do the tech companies do? And obviously they were a little farther along, but still I was like relatively appalled by the state of developer workflow, developer productivity, and just like the general liability of those systems. And it kind of reminded me of front-end 10 years ago before React and GraphQL, when like, you know, developers would be like screaming about IE6 compatibility and the software libraries that they worked with were not grappling with the complexity of their applications more. In addition, people kind of looked down on JavaScript developers and it wasn't considered real engineering. And I saw both those technical and cultural effects in this data engineering space. You know, both people weren't that production, weren't that productive, they're kind of drowning in complexity. And also okay, there's kind of this like self-deprecation around like, oh, I'm just a data monkey or a data janitor. And I'm like, I look at this from the outside. I'm like, no, these are super complicated systems. And you know, that, that self-deprecation is actually kind of like part of the problem. Cause this is like a serious process. Um, and I think like, the, I believe in the power of software tools and abstractions, not just to make developers more productive, but to change the culture around it. So, um, and then like on a personal level, I'm just drawn, I, I like serving and working with engineers and developers. Uh, when I see developers wasting their time or being inefficient or being stressed by what <clears throat> I think could be solved by like a good idea or software abstractions, I'm just very motivated to fix that. So I kind of found this, this dumpster fire and I'm drawn to it like a moth to a flame. So here I am.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all of that. That's, that's really insightful and some things that I, I didn't realize that that kind of makes sense after you say them. I, I'm curious, you say you're targeting, obviously this is technical tools, you're targeting developers, data scientists. I have a lot of people on the podcast that are like targeting startups or like, you know, business and it's like there's kind of proven ways to get to them. But I actually am less knowledgeable on, on how to market or share a product with developers or with data scientists. How do you think about spreading the word to them? Is it just like, you know, is organizations like Hacker News, like I guess, how do you market to developers um, when they have a certain mindset versus like a business owner versus like a VP of marketing or something?
1: So it's funny you asked that because actually um, today we just pushed out kind of like a new <clears throat> version of the software and kind of a restatement of what we're trying to do. It's kind of our biggest release, uh, since we initially launched the project a year ago. Congrats! So, Oh, thank you. Um, so thinking about this quite a bit, um, so getting developer adoption is a subtle art, um, you can't brute force it with ads or a sales strategy. Um, you know, hiring sales people at this stage, when you're just doing pure developer adoption, is actually a good way to not get developer adoption, given that the cultural schism, schism between salespeople and developers. So, you know, the real goal, in terms of especially in this open source bottoms up domain which is what I'm focusing on right now, so I'll I'll talk about that, is to what you really wanna end up getting to is some sort of like technology that delivers real value. And that is expressed in clear terms, such that developers evangelize on your behalf. Because once you start getting those trusted third party endorsements and you start seeing meetups and you start seeing people at conferences that are effectively repeating your messaging and explaining to others why the tool is so valuable, you are well on your way to success. So effectively, the goal here is to kickstart the flywheel of community self-evangelism and kind of third-party validation of the technology. Um, And, you know, I think it's a combination from the core team of a real technology that works and high-quality technical communication Um, that through social media, hacker news bumps, um, but you know, I know the React and GraphQL stories very well, and you can actually really point to a couple specific events that really kicked off the growth phases of those projects. Um, um, excuse me, I had to cough there. Um, so, you know, in particular in the React story. There's an article written actually by Clojure development, which is a Lisp variant on the JBM of all things, um, named David Nolan that the React team really attributes uh, massive growth to. And with GraphQL, we felt like the decisive moment was when GitHub adopted GraphQL for its public API. Um, so, um, <clears throat> you know, those types of third-party endorsements and kind of articles uh, really come from, I think, again, like clear value um, delivered, there's like true underlying value, clear messaging about what it does, and then usually kind of like some like schlepping and like really working with that person in Slack and ensuring answering their questions because you know, your users teach you about your own system. They end up using it in ways that you don't understand and like actually can often articulate the value of it better than you can. Um, so, you know, building community and then leading to community self evangelism, I
0: think is the key. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's such a different approach from like, if you're targeting just like small startups. Um, I, I like it a lot more. Cause I feel like with like other approaches with other markets, it's kind of almost commoditized. It's like the most, the most, the more money you put into it, you know, the, the more successful you will be versus this is like a little more nuanced, which I kind of like. Um, it, it's kind of how it should be. I'm kind of broadens up in a way. So what do you spend your, like you started that you, you recently started this last year or two. Um, you know, it's pretty new. What are you spending your time on these days? Are you shipping code? Are you trying to get developers to evangelize this? Are you raising money? What's the day in the life of the founder of of this company?
1: Oh, so you mean me personally?
0: Yeah, yeah, you. Like, I'm curious. Like, what what does an average day for you look like?
1: So, there is no average day. But what I would say is there are like periods of focus. You know, my one month I'm very focused on one thing, and another month I'm very focused on another. I think there's always a certain amount of background noise. I don't. I don't really. Done a calendar audit, or uh, you know, analyze quantitatively all the time I spend. But there's always some sort of um, x amount of time being spent recruiting. There's always some y amount of time being spent doing coordination and like ensuring that the company's being run at the decisions that I make. So we can put like that aspect aside. But in terms of burstiness, you know, the last month, I've been mostly focusing on communications and our planning cycle for our next major release. But the two months before, you know, I was heads down coding and building and doing product work um, because, you know, we have like 12 people and, you know, I still have you know, I still have very strong opinions on the technical architecture. And I think as a, as a founder of a developer tools company, like your code and your API is the product. So, um, you know, I think it's pretty critical to be involved at a technical level. And I think one of the unique skills that has always served me well is being able to simultaneously have a deep understanding of the code base, but also have kind of a sense of like what's important to the market so that you can like understand what's possible in the code base and align that to more like strategic imperatives. So uh, it's important to actually be technically engaged. But so, you know, like, I think the, like, for example, the last month was mostly about like content, producing technical content, you know, this like, like this post we did today for this launch is like a you know, 4,500 word document that took a lot of work to put together. Um, and then I expect the next couple of weeks to be primarily kind of like writing documents internally um, and doing planning and brainstorming and whatnot. And I fully expect like the next six to eight weeks after that to be primarily product work and me coding. Um, so it's very bursty, um, you know, we at this point, I'm, we're blessed with we were able to res- raise a substantial amount of capital last summer. So this company's well capitalized, so I don't need to focus on fundraising. Um, I, you know, I do keep, yeah, you know, I kind of reserve my eight, <clears throat> I always reserve the 8 a.m. hour for walking phone calls. So kind of that's my time to talk to any investors, to check in on things or, to talk to potential recruits or, you know, whomever. So that's that's a basic outline of how I spend my time.
0: It's cool to hear just because you're pretty like in some ways methodological about it in other ways, in other ways, not. And you kind of have to be flexible as a, as an owner of a company of a CEO. And like, as I'm kind of stepping into this world for the first time in a year, it's like it, it's almost a model for me to think. Oh, like yeah, eight o'clock. You take you take walking meetings. That's cool. Like every day, like you know, it's just cool to think about structures and whatnot. But let's look out. Let's look out. You know, it's not one or two years into the company. It's ten or twenty years, and, and it's big, right? It's it's whatever you want to build. It has worked. What does that look like? Or I guess in other words, what's the big vision for 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 your company? What do you want to have built, and what direction are you rowing in?
1: Yeah. So. <clears throat> you know, I think that the 10, call it the five to 10 year vision is a company that is able to reliably and repeatedly deliver beautiful and beloved software abstractions and systems that truly improve the lives and kind of in a deep way of software developers across a variety of domains. And, you know, in in the way that kind of like, you know, I I view the public clouds right now, very much kind of like 90s era Microsoft, um, where they're extremely successful businesses, they've earned that success, But in some respects, they lack taste, and I do think there is a space for a new type of developer tools, kind of cloud-native developer tools company that picks the problems it tries to solve much more selectively, and then solves them in a very deep, tasteful way, that initially might not appeal to the universe of all users in that domain, but ends up winning the day as, you know, cause like the iPhone, for example, like started out as like a niche product almost. Right. But then it just become, became because it's too expensive and it lacks features and like the Apple ecosystem was closed. Like there's a lot of reasons why it wasn't being adopted, but it just clearly became a better way of doing things. Um, and then eventually everyone either adopted it or copied it right? Like Android is like a response to iPhone or Android orbits around iPhone, um, or at least it certainly did in its early life. So that's kind of the type of organization I want to build. And I want it to feel like, you know, I want to empower the team and all the employees to feel like they're doing the best work of their life and to empower, and their job is to empower others to do what they feel is the best work of their life. Um, and kind of like achieve this, like this flow and happiness, which is, I think really, it's really important in engineering professions, you know, tools are like core to people's identity. And if you can build tools and abstractions that really like speak to them, like it's, you know, it's a really, really powerful dynamic. Um,
0: And to make, to make that happen, to, to, to build these tools and to get many people to use them, like you'll need some help. Like you might need more investors. Maybe not. You might need employees. You'll obviously need customers, but what you'll definitely need help from is help from the forward thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you hiring? Are you looking for users? Are you fundraising? Is it something else? How can any listener help you kind of push, push, push the vision along a little bit?
1: So the, the primary thing that we need right now, um, is passionate, high quality users of the software. So if you're a data scientist or you have a, you have uh, if you're like a full stack data engineer, a full stack data scientist who really cares about software engineering principles and instinctively understands that like a fundamentally better way has to be possible to build these systems, um, you know, I would encourage you to check us out and either try us or give us feedback about it that you look at it and be like, I don't buy this. Um, That's always helpful too. Um, Similarly for like data platform teams um, that also share those values. So our primary focus is to begin to grow, grow the base of users for the system and more importantly, the right type of users that will seed the ecosystem properly. And then I think like everyone else, we're always, you know, we're always recruiting, um, and finding, you know, passionate, <clears throat> passionate and talented and people who are great to work with, you know, data scientists, data engineers is always a challenge. Um, so, you know, in this environment and, and whatnot. So, you know, recruiting, recruiting both users and employees is definitely kind of like our, primary focus right
0: now and then for my last question for you if someone you know heard what you're talking about fe- feels the same way you do and once they get in touch and wants to try the product work for you etc how can someone find you what's your url do you have an email are you on twitter is there another way to get in touch how can someone connect
1: so i think you know it's an open source project so naturally we live on github so type github dagster Hop to that page, check it out. And then there's a link to our Slack community, which is totally public. Um, and then you can hop in there and you know <clears throat> talk to the team and see what's going on. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter too. My DMs are open. Schrock, S-C-H-R-O-C-K-N. And yeah, but, you know, GitHub. That is the the basic answer.
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming on to the podcast.
1: All right. Awesome, man. Thanks.
0: All right, well I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community, it's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City, and in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast. For example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air garage Um additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We've Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School coming in, and these are people that you can talk with, right? You you can ask them questions, these are AMAs. Additionally, you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs, and this is all only for seven dollars a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potentially investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right. See you tomorrow.